Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh my goodness! And in this heavyweight bout, the Vikings with the knockout blow. And the Vikings are kings in the north once again. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Vikings Now podcast. I'm Jim Rich. This is Ahmad Hicks. And on the end, Pierre Nugent, Vikings start the season losing a game that I called a must win when the season started. Uh, it sounds crazy for a week one, but Pierre, uh, am I crazy or do you agree? Well, I don't know if it was a must win, but when you look at the schedule off the top, you know, when the schedule dropped, you looked at it and I think everybody penciled in a win for this mm-hmm. game because Tampa is a team that's a little bit in transition now with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. And I think a lot of people thought you're at home in week one. You look great in week one last year. Not that that really means anything this week, but at the same time too, this is a game you should have won. You have to win this you game. Have, you have to win this game. Yep. You're going to look back all season long yep. and say, God, we just let that Tampa game slip by. So I still say it's a must win. I, Ahmad? I, I would just We've heard enough just, of your well, point. I, I want to hear Ahmad's now. No, you had your chance. I just want to say Ahmad, real quick go that, ahead. that Baker Mayfield really <laughs> like showed me a lot more than anybody than anybody else on, on the Vikings mm-hmm. team. Baker Mayfield played like a guy who wanted this game more. And Tampa looked like a team that wanted it more. And that's what I take away from week And one. you know the crazy thing about that, Pierre? As I was watching the game at U.S. Bank Stadium, there were so many plays that Baker Mayfield left on the field. So many passes up the seam or to the side. Plays that he missed that should make you wonder, if you're a Vikings fan, just how good is this defense going to be this year? Because right. they look pretty bad today against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense that is not that good anymore. Was it a must-win game? Absolutely, because you're going to Philadelphia. See? I told and I, you, and Pierre. I, I think we can. We all know what's probably going to happen in that game. Thank you, you Ahmad. The runner-ups in the Super Bowl. So I think today was definitely a must-win game. But then you look at the team and you think about all the points that the Vikings left on the board. An encroachment penalty on defense leads to not only a field goal from Tampa Bay, but a chance to go down and get seven. They get seven, and then you got Kirk Cousins going down the field on the two drive with a chance to put points on the board right before halftime and instead of getting a guaranteed three he tries to thread the needle and get it to KJ Osborne and it's picked off and so they left a lot on the table so if I'm a Vikings fan right now I'm optimistic that this team can play better but I'm also feeling down because that offense should have played way better than they did and with Alexander Madison only rushing for what like 36 37 yards yep man that's not 11 carries 34 yards 34 that's that's why they called Kareem Hunt during the uh, training camp Kirk Cousins said he ran hard which I agree he did run hard oh he always does I'm not saying Madison's not good but you need a breakaway sure. back, For and sure. I don't think he's got that second gear. Well, I don't even think we got a chance go. to see that second gear because the offensive line played atrocious today. Garrett Bradbury with the back injury, head coach Kevin O'Connell said he's day to day, so no word if he's if he's going to play versus the Eagles later this week. Christian Darrisaw ankle injury, he came back in. Coach said after the game that you know that did didn't provide any continuity with the guys up front. So that, of course, made things a right. little difficult. No but he doubt said he's about not it. making excuses for it. There's no excuses. They should have won that game. All right, Pierre, the three turnovers. Uh, Cousins gets destroyed by Winfield, busting up the gut. Mm-hmm. The other, apparently, uh, Ed Ingram knocked the ball out of Cousins' hand. And the third was the interception. 
at the goal line all in the first half. Uh, is this a concerning trend or is this a one-off? Well, I mean, you do have to be a little bit concerned, I think, especially when you look at Kirk Cousins' history with fumbling the football. Now, I'm not going to blame him for getting blown up the way he did uh, <laughs> when Antoine Winfield came right down the pipe and just, I mean, that those plays are going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury leaves the game. Austin Schlotman comes in at center. Had that center exchange quarterback. That, yep. that, you know, that exchange, you know, I, I'm not going to, I don't really know who I should be blaming, uh, put, uh, placing the blame on for that, but um, the, the the interception was bad. The inter- the interception was bad. You you have to recognize the situation, and that th- that ball was thrown a little bit behind KJ. And uh, you know, credit to the Bucks, they made plays when they did. But uh, you just cannot turn the ball over in a late half situation like that. Like Ahmad just said, you just cost yourself at minimum three points, and that yep. three points ended up being the difference of the game. Right? Well. You know, we could say they, they, they could have been here tied at 20 by the end of the game, you know, with an extra three points. But uh, just a very uninspiring 60 minutes of football, For sure. in my opinion. Just just really looked flat. After that game, uh, both Cousins and O'Connell had something to say about that interception. O'Connell said that he wants Kirk to be aggressive, and he was being aggressive at that right. point. And he said that if he throws for a touchdown, everybody's like, oh, that was a great throw. And then Kirk <laughs> says that it was a matter of him getting through his progressions. He said he got locked in on KJ. He thought that he could throw it behind him because he didn't want to lead him into a collision with that safety, but ultimately throwing it behind him led for the interception. He said he should have just got to his third read in that progression because they were doubling Justin Jefferson. He said Jordan Addison was coming across the field. So that's just a mere, you know, trusting my guys. And Jordan Addison has only been out there for four quarters and so at that point Kirk didn't have trust in him to be where he needed to be so that's something I think down the season he'll develop that trust in his number three wide receiver hopefully well I don't have any issues with Cousins because we saw last year and again he piled up the yardage Mm -hmm. today Um, yes the Vikings only had three possessions in the second half of yesterday's game and two of them were three and outs they went for the touchdown Mm -hmm. tied it up 17 and then the last two drives went nowhere I think you have to look more at this defense and figure out what that defense truly is. Everybody said Brian Flores, he's going to cure everything. Well, unfortunately, Brian Flores doesn't play on the field. And he could have the world's greatest scheme, but if you can't get to where you're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. So that defense did not get a mediocre Tampa offense off the field in the second half, especially at the end of the game. Like the Vikings were confident enough on their three and out, that we're punting it. Yep, There's yep, over yep. four minutes left. We're getting this football back, mm-hmm. and they never did. I, I listen. I, I'm not. I, I I'm fully aware that when you look at the, this Vikings defense on paper, you know you don't see a lot of pure talent on the field. You see some guys that, that are that are good, that are very good. There's not a lot of talent. However, I I, I don't have a huge issue with how the defense played today my i think my biggest complaint against with with this defense today is a lack of pressure on the quarterback yep. today only mm-hmm. one sack in the game from Daniel Hunter and even if you don't get sacks you want to make the quarterback uncomfortable yep. and Baker Mayfield didn't look uncomfortable like Jim said really particularly in the second half he looked like he did whatever he wanted to out there mm-hmm. and and that's I'm a little surprised that uh, of a lack of pressure I know Mar- Marcus Davenport wasn't in the game today maybe he makes a difference when he comes back from injury but um I, my issue today isn't really so much defensively because we all came into the season saying hey Kirk Cousins is going to have the same offense, the same coordinator the, for the first time, you know, and, and it's all going to be hunky-dory. The offense isn't going to be the problem. The offense looked like it hadn't played together 
at all. It, it just looked so kind of discombobulated at times. You throw the ball 44 times in a game where you never trailed by more than seven. Mm-hmm. You only run it 17 times. There's a complete lack of commitment to the run game. And again, the other problem or, is... Or confidence. Yeah, or confidence. The interior of the offensive line, mm-hmm. like we said, uh, Garrett Bradbury gets hurt. Christian Derrissaw comes out of the game. At one point, he did come back. But offensive lineman is probably the last position this team can afford to lose big time players. Now I want to make a point to this. I'm going to read these stats, and I want you to tell yes. me. I want you He's to going to make a point. Guys, if this is bad, the defense today surrendered 73 rushing yards and 169 passing yards, compared to the Vikings 328 passing yards and 41 rushing yards. So is the defense, should they be getting more credit for what they did today? I know they couldn't get a stop in the second half, but it's hard to get stops when you're consecutively on the field and your team is going three and out and your offense isn't giving you a chance. So with those numbers that I just stated, don't you think it's on the offense to win games? Because I thought coming into the season with the – with the way that they didn't address their defense. They didn't bring in a lot of big names. They didn't bring in a lot of star power. They brought in Josh Oliver, paid him a lot of money. You extended TJ Hawkinson. You're working on a deal for Justin Jefferson. This screen, we're going to score points this year. And they flat out did not score points. Kevin O'Connell said after the game, it boils down to execution, and we just did not execute. I think Kirk, over 330 yards passing. Justin Jefferson, over 150 yards receiving. I think these are things to build on. But as I said before, guys, when you're a play-action-heavy team and you rely on a run game to establish right. and set up your you passing can't set game, it up. you can't roll you're out the, the DNs and they're going to send blitzes because they know, like, hey, you're going to run for two yards and then you're going to bootleg pass. you got to establish a run game moving forward. 34 yards is not enough from Alexander Right. Madison. I mean, that, that first series of the game looked like we were watching quarterbacks <laughs> because Cousins was getting hammered consistently. Yeah. Right out of the gate on the first two passing plays. Well, that's plays. what happens when you don't don't address your offensive line, and that was a weak spot last yeah, year. Yeah, and it, even with those guys hurt, I don't think it makes that much difference because last year Cousins was the most hit quarterback in the NFL. And, yes, you bring everybody back. Yes, they have another year experience. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Still how easy. much can they really improve? And so they go from the most quarterback hits given up to the fifth most quarterbacks hit given up. I mean, you know, where is that ceiling for this offensive line? Not high. <laughs> Facts. Not, not high. Not high, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to wait to see if Garrett Bradbury comes back and plays in Thursday's game against Philadelphia. Um, Honestly, is it is it that big of a downgrade uh, if he does No, doesn't? not really. No, the Christian Derrissaw is the bigger, the much, much bigger pivotal piece. And mm-hmm. Like we said, he did come back into the game, so that's potentially a good sign. But, you know, sometimes the adrenaline gets you back in the game. Then after the game, you take a closer look at an injury. It might be more serious right. than what originally intended. We don't yeah. know that yet. Adrenaline wears off. We Yeah, exactly. We don't know that yet. So uh, if Christian Derrissaw can't play on Thursday against um, Philadelphia, then I think uh, you're going to be in it for a world of hurt. On I mean, Thursday, I, I think the they are right. the the guard play and the center play is terrible by the Vikings. We knew that coming into the season, and the Eagles have this guy named Jordan Davis, Jalen <laughs> Carter. I mean, we can go on and on, but oh man, it's going to be tough sledding Thursday. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's what I'm saying. Okay, you said should we praise the defense more? Mm-hmm. Well, how good is the Tampa Bay offense really? I mean, it's no longer Tom Brady running yeah. the show. Uh, their receiving core has You still been got two all-pro guys decimated. and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, you don't have Antonio Brown there, but you still have two guys that won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Rashad White is going to be a superstar running back in the National Football League, and they still have a decent offensive line. So I think their offense is 
isn't atrocious. No, and so I no. think it was a good challenge for Brian. I'd say Flores. it's middle of the pack yeah, to for sure above and average. I, and I think in the first half you saw exactly what you wanted to see from Coach Flores, and that was his team literally getting stops, except for the one field goal where Kirk Cousins got sacked and the Buccaneers got the ball in the red zone. Yep. They still got a stop and held them to a field goal. But like I alluded to. You can't ask your defense to continuously go out there and get stop after stop oh, yeah. if your offense isn't putting points on the board and staying on the field. And they did not help out their defense today. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so where are we at on the panic meter, Pierre? Uh, it's Monday morning. <laughs> People are driving to work. Uh, they Uh-oh. see that Brace Philadelphia yourselves. is a couple of days away. Uh, where are you on that uh, Pierre panic meter? Um, yeah. No, I don't want to be like the people online who have already written off the season and are already looking at Caleb Williams, you know, the number one overall. Are we taking that bad? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's, Man. It's, it's, uh, one, Vi- Vikings fans reacting to a loss is one of my most favorite pastimes in, in all of my <laughs> broadcast very animated, career. Yeah. Um, but I, but if, you're, if, you're, if you're asking me to put it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm already at a 7. Mm. Already. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you're, you're, like we said, you're staring down the barrel of an 0-2 hole here potentially mm. against so Philadelphia. So it sounds like that Tampa game should have been a must-win, like well, I kind of uh, said off the top, I, which well, you disagreed well, with. But well, well, that's okay. Yeah, it's not you a go mu- ahead with your it's thought. Not, it's not a must-win until you have to win to either get into the playoffs or, you know, into into the next round if it's right. single elimination. It's not a must-win until then. All right? So, so I, I, what I would say is, um, uh-huh. I'm not optimistic that they're going to go down to Philadelphia and win. You shouldn't. Be. Um, I'm not terribly optimistic with them playing, or I should say, keeping up with the LA Chargers when they come in here two weeks. Uh, the LA Chargers uh, in a game, they're putting up a lot of points up on the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. So um, I, I don't feel good about it. Are, are we seriously looking at a potential 0 3 start here? Um, I don't feel good about it. I really don't. I really don't feel good about it, guys. Where am I on the panic meter? I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say a six right now. I'm gonna say just a notch below Pierre, and here's why I say that. We already knew coming into the season it was a quote competitive rebuild. That is what General Manager Quasi Adolfo Mensa said. This right. is a competitive rebuild this year. That means that you know your team isn't that good, but you're hoping they can just compete, give some life. I think ESPN had their ceiling at 12 wins this year and the floor at seven wins. I think, like Pierre mentioned, they go up to Philadelphia and get clobbered this weekend and start the season 0-2. They got to come back here and play probably a NFL MVP candidate and Justin Herbert and his explosive offense and a coach that's probably on the hot seat and his head coach. It's scary times for the Vikings right now. It really is scary times, Also, although it's only week one out of 18. There's a lot of football left to be mm-hmm. played. But when you think about it, this team is going to have to outscore people. That means yes. Jordan Addison is going to have to have a bigger role. K.J. Osborne is going to have to start making spectacular catches. And somebody outside of Justin Jefferson is going to have to step up and be consistent every week. If not, we're looking at a six-win football team. And we're not going to talk about how they're getting Caleb Williams because if he doesn't like where he's going, he's going back to school. But he'll be right. the first quarterback and the first number, number one overall pick. So now you're talking about all those other guys, the Drake Mays from North Carolina and so on. It's like – are we really ready to bank no, no. Justin Jefferson's future on a rookie well, quarterback to come in here? That's the next thing I wanted to yeah. go to. Justin Jefferson, a lot of media reports were mm-hmm. saying uh, he'd be signed by kickoff, mm-hmm. ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not happen. Mm-hmm. So what does that say to you? To me, it's very interesting, I'll say, because already there were questions to Kevin O'Connell after Sunday's loss about, well, what kind of effort do you think Justin Jefferson is going to give when you're in a situation where your guy didn't get paid, 
And he played his cards perfectly right. in the media throughout. He said, hey, I'm not worried about it. I'm Still doing all right. the drills in camp. Mm -hmm. Still, even after the game, not a worry, mm -hmm. not a worry. But behind the scenes, there could still be something cooking. Pierre, you go first on this. Uh, well, there better be something cooking because if there isn't something <laughs> cooking, he's just going to keep getting asked about it over and over again. to the point And more where, annoyed. Yeah, and more annoyed and to the point where it becomes a distraction. And, um, you know, listen, he's, he's going to set the market, whether it's in Minnesota or somewhere else. He's going to set a new bar for what wide receivers are paid in the NFL. Um, obviously, you want it to be here in Minnesota. I have, as for as good, not good, for as great as Justin Jefferson is, I still have questions uh, about pouring in so many financial resources into one position, and especially when you did not commit to your quarterback beyond the end of this season. So right. why am I paying Justin Jefferson multiple hundreds of millions of dollars to stay on a team where I don't know who the quarterback is going to be next year. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, so, it, and people are saying, well, it doesn't matter who the quarterback might be. Yes, it's still it Justin does. Jefferson. Yes, it does. It does, it does to Justin. So, well, it, it, he it, hasn't it, come out and said that, but so we all know it. That That's this, that's the conundrum that faces this franchise right now. You know he, he, is, he is the best receiver in football. You want to keep him in purple. Everybody wants him to stay in Minnesota. But does it make sense? Does it make sense? I don't know the answer to that question yet. I think here are two things about Justin Jefferson. Obviously, he said what's done is done. That's what he said after the game today. So meaning his agent probably had talks with the front office of the Vikings, and they didn't come to a deal. Now, here's why I think they probably didn't come to a deal. Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins, signed a four-year deal for $120 million. Devontae Adams with the Las Vegas Raiders signed a five-year deal for $140 million. You know Justin Jefferson wants more than all of those guys. He said earlier this week, I'm in a different situation. He wants more than Bosa, he, I would think. I he, think he's going to be a $200 million man. But no, yeah. And you know what? And he has a legitimate argument for that. The numbers that he's been putting up, ridiculous since he entered the NFL. He's been underpaid since he stepped foot in the National Football League. So he certainly deserves a raise. And if you're the Vikings, you have to love that he's coming to work, still doing his job. But I think, like Pierre said, you don't know who's going to be quarterback next year. And if I'm a wide receiver – young wide receiver who has a lot of life left in me, a lot of legs left in me, and I want to play for Super Bowls. I love money, but I don't know if I'm signing for $150 million over five years, and then you're telling me we're going to go draft a rookie quarterback next year that may or may not pan out, and then I got to play five years with a have-not quarterback. Like, oh, he's, he, some right. days he's good, some days he's not. If you're, if I'm Justin Jefferson, I'm not signing here and, unless you give me a quarterback. And, and if that's the case, Jim, if, if it gets to that point and the Vikings are sitting here at two and five to start the season, do the trade does the trade chatter start to emerge here for Jefferson? For Justin Jefferson? No, no, no. Because they have team control for yeah, two, more two more years. years so, well, yeah. I mean, but, at the, but at the same time, too, like, I mean. You don't do that until next year when you know nah. that maybe an offseason where he said, look, I ain't coming back unless you give me somebody. I think that's next year. Uh, but, but his value now could be, it might, <laughs> not, might, it might never be higher. It's only going to, I think, if 150 yards in game one means he's probably going to average over 100 yards. They play 17 games. Yeah. 1,700 yards. Because they can't run the ball, exactly. apparently. So that means so he's, he's going to be more a focal quarter. Which means his number is only going to go up. This is why you should have signed him as soon as the season ended last year. Before anybody thought about Kirk's extension, just go to him right away and say, hey, Let's sign this right now. But you know what they needed? They probably needed thirty-five to forty million dollars signing bonus up front. They did not have that this year. They could. He needed a sign, a massive signing bonus because his salary this year is, is just under I think like 
three million dollars or something like that for the season. I could be wrong. You guys pull it up. You can fact check us. But he's not making a lot of money. So a guy like that, he's like, look, when I sign my contract backloaded for $140 million, I want like 30 40 up front because I'm overdue for that. And the Vikings didn't have that. And if you think about the money they got to pay him, you just sign, you know, you're, you got to pay Kirk Cousins next year if you decide well, to sign him. if you him. decide to keep him. He brought, TJ Hawkinson just got a big extension. Josh Oliver just got paid a couple million dollars. Well, like, that's what I mean. Yeah. You, you put the – cart before the horse for sure. he is the horse for sure that would have been number one and then i'd figure out the rest of it because he has been dynamic on the field off the field he has said all the right things he has done all the right things he drives the speed limit i mean there is no <laughs> issue so far with justin jefferson so why not ever. make him fine you want to and because it would if you'd gotten ahead of this bosa's contract would have came afterwards so now that bar isn't at two hundred million. You're talking he about could, look at Joe Burrow, two seventy five. Right. That's what I'm saying. Guaranteed. That's what I'm saying. Every minute that the Vikings sit here and go, Well, we have time on our side. No, you don't. And I think Pierre, you probably saw this. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson's best friend, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. He came out and said the other day, I hope Justin Jefferson resets the market for me. Yeah. He was like, I hope he resets it. So I think you have an idea of what Jefferson is looking for, and that is a but it monster makes sense. contract. It makes sense. It does, but salary cap matters. You I, still got to be able to field a team. I know, but you, if they let this guy walk with – you guys don't have the history of Minnesota sports that I have, <laughs> Okay. We've seen David Ortiz yeah. go on and win multiple World Series. Mm -hmm. We see Randy Moss get traded away. Right. And how that set this franchise backwards mm -hmm. when they let Moss out the door. You keep your legends here. And if, the, if it ends up not ending you in a Super Bowl, at least it looks like you did. You swung for the fences. Look, we paid the money to keep the best player in the National Football League on our team. If we let the best player in the National Football League walk away or we trade him for a bunch of draft picks and then we draft a, a guy like uh, Troy Williamson who has no hands who was supposed to place Randy Moss unfortunately he had no vision and that blew up in their face so I mean that's what they're sitting here with yeah but I what, what I would say to that is is if, if you if the result of trading away a, a wide receiver is what sent your franchise into disarray then you have a poorly built team to begin with because when you look at the, I mean, look at the Chiefs. I mean, Tyreek Hill is just Mr. All Planet, and they they had no problem trading him, and they won a Super Bowl. And I mean, and I know it's a different situation because you have the best quarterback in the well, NFL. Well, this team isn't a Super Bowl contender. Uh, they're not today, they, but they're not. And but but that's that's kind of what. But I'm you would at. go backwards even further if you let him walk. Well, because th then you'd have Jordan Addison as your number one wide receiver. This is my problem with the words competitive rebuild. You either tear it down and start from scratch, or or, or you have a team uh, that you know is good and put and put your foot on. on well, the I, th gas. I think you say that to a guy like Jefferson, like you said. Do I really want to sit here and watch this kid learn how to play in the NFL? That's my quarterback. Well, I think there's a lot of speculation on that topic, and I think that's one we could talk about all season and all off season. I think right now the topic is Jefferson is here, he's playing, and he's the best, one of the best players in the National Football League, and they just need to find ways to keep getting him the football and keep him happy. So when you go into contract negotiations at the end of this season, 
He's happy, and he's more willing to resign here. I think that's the key right now. All right, let's leave it on that note. Anything else anybody want to throw us on the table before I get out of here? Big week coming up for the Minnesota Vikings. Short turnaround for them. They have to regroup. They got to become physical at the line of scrimmage. That's what Kevin O'Connell said after the game. And Philadelphia is very physical up front, both offensively and defensively. I think that they need to get past this game. As everybody says in sports, next play, move on. Short-term memory. That's what they're going to need in order to be competitive. I think everyone knows Philadelphia is pretty good. But they struggled yesterday against the New England Patriots. So they're, every week, everybody has an opportunity to win in the National Football League. It just depends on if your team is going to execute. And if Kirk Cousins can go down the field, throw for 300-plus yards, Justin Jefferson go for 150, they have a chance to compete as long as they don't turn the ball over. I'm not predicting a W, but they just need to go play solid football, don't turn the ball over. And they may have a chance to keep oh, up scoring ready. with them. He's ready. The one, the one thing he's ready. That, that, Here has, comes. that has bothered me about Kevin O'Connell's offense the moment he's gotten here, it's the same thing when we saw him when he was the offensive coordinator for the Rams. A complete, I shouldn't say disregard, but a complete lack of enthusiasm in terms of establishing a run. I know we are trying to devalue running backs time and time again as this league continues to evolve, but at the same time, too, some old-school football from time to time, please. Turn around, hand the ball off, control (laughs) the clock. You let a guy like Dalvin Cook walk out the door who's still very capable of getting the job done, and then you run the ball 17 times in a game in which you only trailed by seven at the most. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Why 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 are why is this offense so insistent on throwing the running back position out in the cold? I don't understand it whatsoever. I know you don't have a guy as talented as Dalvin in the backfield now, but if you gave Alexander Madison a little bit of money, it wasn't a lot of money, a lot of money, but if you want to give Alexander Madison a little bit of money and to try to prove that you're committed to him to being the number one back, why don't you turn around and hand the ball off and try to establish uh, try to establish a run. Where's the line trying to bully people around on a run? More how about yeah. how about some how about some moxie, some attitude? How about some? I want to punch people in the mouth and run the football. <laughs> I mean, can we can we like at least change it up a little bit, please, to try to keep drives alive? Do you need to go give the Vikings a pregame speech on no, Thursday? No, no, no. Hey, they they they're gonna need a lot more than that for me on Thursday. That's for, <laughs> that's for the starters. <laughs> All right, uh, Pierre, how do people subscribe to this if they're watching this on the YouTube channel? Where the heck do they follow us, subscribe, all that wonderful stuff? Just look to the Fox 9 YouTube page, and uh, you can find us right there, Vikings Now, a new podcast we're starting. Or anywhere you look for podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever, you name it. Make sure you follow us, subscribe, like, comment, let us know how we can get better, and we'll keep dishing out the hot takes and the inside locker room chatter following every game. There you go. Vikings fall to Tampa 2017. We will talk to you after the Eagles game, and hopefully it'll be a much more positive scenario.